Welcome to Awaken with Victoria Bond. I am your host, Victoria. I'm a spiritual empowerment coach, a psychic medium, and a business mentor. In this podcast, you will be able to dive in to everything from conscious parenting, human design, psychic development, and business. I interview some of the top leaders in this field. So if you're a facilitator, a mother, or you're going through an awakening process, this is the podcast to listen to. You can find all the information to every show in the show notes and dive deeper into any area that you are choosing. I can't wait to connect with you. I'll see you inside. Welcome to today's episode of Awaken with Victoria Bond. Today is going to be a very interesting topic because we're talking about sobriety. I'm going to be talking to you about my journey with sobriety. And the reason why I want to bring this into the podcast is because one of my beautiful clients was going for a walk on the beach with me the other day. And she said to me, I love hearing about your sobriety. And when you mention this in your podcast, it's super inspiring. So I said, great, thank you. I will actually do a whole podcast on it and see what type of feedback I get back. Because sobriety is not just about giving up alcohol, right? It's not just about giving up drugs. It's not just about dealing with your sex addiction or your food addiction or your Netflix addiction. It's actually about learning what patterns and cycles are healthy for you and what are not so healthy for you. We have got higher expressions of everything and lower expressions of everything. And, you know, you don't have to give up alcohol to prove something or give up drugs or Netflix or like anything doesn't need to be given up. And I was told this a few years ago when I said to one of my friends slash mentors, I think I need to give up alcohol. And she said, no, Victoria, you should never give up anything. And it felt so wrong when she said that because my body has been telling me to actually give up alcohol for like a decade, actually two decades. <laughs> my body's been telling me, right? And so just giving it up isn't enough though. So I know this sounds like a bit of a paradox, like what are you saying here, Victoria? You're saying you shouldn't give up anything and then you're saying you should. It's a paradox because just giving up something and ignoring it and bypassing the reason why you're giving it up is not going to cure you or help you grow. It's going to repress you and then you get addicted to something else. Are you still with me? <laughs> Are you still with me? Okay, so have a little think about your addictions now. Okay, have a little think about your addictions. I was watching the movie Wild with Reese Witherspoon last night with Luke, and I said to Luke, Why would she keep drinking? when she's off having sex with all these random people while she's married and she's like doing heroin, why would you drink? And then I, I got it. It like really sinked into my head. Alcohol's not her problem. You know, it, it wasn't the alcohol that was the problem. The alcohol of course is going to help break the ice, but she was the sex addict and this drug addict. She was an addict to numbing her pain. Now, the interesting thing with me is that I have been 
an alcohol addict from the moment I started drinking at 15 years old. I was brought up in a society here in New Zealand where the mentality, the social mentality is you start drinking at about 15 and, you know, you go and you party in the weekends. You go to tech, like polytech or university, which is, you know, what we do after we finish school here for our secondary education or whatever. And honestly, like you go to the clubs and you drink and you do the things like you party your ass off. And I was like, well, that's just what you do. So that's what I need to do. And it wasn't my parents telling me to do that. It wasn't the school teachers telling me that I needed to go and get drunk and so, so drunk that I don't remember anything that I black out. You know, I wish I was the person that threw up. I wish I was that person who said, take me home. I've drunk too much, but I wasn't. I was the person who could keep on drinking and stay up and not go to sleep. And then I was also that person who would just, you know, regret all the things that I did and those times that I was blanking out, you know, like walking on rooftops, three-storied high, like in, in building sites and doing some crazy stuff, like not knowing, like forgetting where I lived. I remember one time I completely lost everybody and just was walking down the street going, I don't even know where I'm staying tonight. And someone had to ring my fiance. Like it was really unhealthy. So for me, I was taught from a very early age that what you do, the culture here, where I live, even in the little town that I live in, is to get drunk and wasted because that's what you do from 15. I don't even know where I got that from, but it's definitely this drinking culture and definitely when I was younger anyway. So maybe it's changed a bit. I don't know. Still a lot of drinking around here in New Zealand, I tell you that, and everywhere in the world, but it's this binge culture. So I don't know where you are in the world or the way that it works for you. I know people in France drink, but they don't necessarily drink until they are so smashed out of their brains. Um, they, they, uh, they're quite mindful about their drinking. I know I've had a lot of friends from the UK and they were like, let's go to the pub at lunchtime, Victoria. Like, this is what we do every night after work. We go and we have drinks. And I just literally, no matter how much my body was yelling at me, don't do this. I felt that I had to, and it was the best escape in the world because I got to escape from my life. I got to escape from my feelings. And the truth is some people have got an addictive personality. Some people have got a gene. Now, I don't know this as in biology, but there's the alcoholic gene, I call it. And out of my two brothers and two sisters and myself, I was the one who got the alcoholic gene. I was the one who was drinking from 15 years old and ending up in, at these random parties and passing out pretty much or like I'm talking about I was 15 here you know and then there's like 25 year old guys sitting there and my friend and I had snuck out and thank god my mom doesn't listen to my podcast she doesn't even know I have one <laughs> she doesn't even know what a podcast is but um and then thank god I had people watching out for me because some of the stuff that happened if that happened to my daughter 
like I would be absolutely gutted. And um, most of the stuff that I'm sharing, you know, my parents have no idea. They didn't know that I snuck out pretty much every single night <laughs> from 12 years old. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm so grateful that I've learned these things and I've been through them so then I can help navigate my children because the pressure is real. It really is. So my journey is with alcohol, but there's plenty of people that have had the drug journey or the sex journey or the food journey or the addicted to maybe video games journey, whatever it is, there's plenty addictions to be had here on planet earth. And, you know, I come from um, a family where there's alcoholics, but they didn't seem to be alcoholics like the ones we see on TV, not like shameless where the dad is like a, like a hobo drunk, you know, and, and a drug addict and they kind of make light of it. But no, the alcoholics that I come from are functioning ones. They are ones that um, don't get too angry. They don't beat up anyone. They're not abusive. They're just annoying and they're just basically killing themselves with alcohol and drinking until they pass out or until they piss themselves or until they literally maybe start a fight. I don't know, but we have to address this, you know, we've really got to address the mentality of where we are, our culture. And like I say, it's different in different parts of the world. Um, and I just thought it was normal. So basically this is how my life looks, like how it looked. I started drinking at 15 every weekend, either stealing alcohol from my friends or like my, our friends' parents, um, or from my parents, not that they ever had much to, um, drink, um, to steal because my dad used to drink away from home, which was a real blessing. So he would go binge drink somewhere else. That whole rugby mentality as well, like going to the rugby club and, um, or he had best friends that were alcoholics. His best friend was someone who had dived into a swimming pool and had, become paralyzed from the legs down um, and he had done that while he was drunk and he was a full-blown alcoholic so my dad would go and um, keep him company and drink along with him and uh, leave his family at home so mum was bringing up you know there's five of us all together my little brother wasn't around then because he was born when I was 18 but I was really grateful that I didn't have to see any of that like my life was pretty sheltered but I was taught from a very early age, that's what you do. You you go and you binge drink. So I thought that was normal to do on weekends. I thought everyone did it because that's what I'd seen. Um, so I basically did that and snuck out and drank and we got alcohol however we could or whatever. Um, I met my husband at 16, interesting enough. And of course it was over Christmas, New Year's and I live in a party town. So I live in a town that goes from 5,000 people during the year. It's really quiet. Um, it's a beach town. It's like a beach resort. And then what happens is it gets full of people. Like you're talking about 20,000 people or more, um, actually way more. <laughs> we get a lot of people. I don't really know how many, um, but a lot The the whole town like just gets packed over Christmas New Year's and people see the town as a party town so all of the 
um, holiday makers come in and then you just start walking the streets and there's parties everywhere, especially when I was younger, like there was parties everywhere. So that was your mission and that's where you'd meet people. So um, we'd do that. But I met my husband then and so we were drinking all summer, of course. And um, then, of course, drugs gets introduced. So smoking weed and all that type of stuff. It's really big here in New Zealand as well. But um, it was really in my 20s, my early 20s. So I kind of felt like it was normal when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17. But when I moved out of home, uh, when I just turned 17, all of a sudden I'm flatting. So I'm in a house with a couple of flatmates. Um, so I can drink during the week. I can do whatever I want. And my, one of my flatmates, she said to me, so she was 16, I was 17. And she said, you shouldn't be drinking every night. And I was like, dude, I have a job. I am like living by myself, cooking my own dinner, doing everything. And I'm going to Polytech full time to be a hairdresser. I can do whatever I want. Like I'm an adult. So I thought drinking every night was kind of normal. Just a few. And then, of course, there was the weekends and the partying and all that type of stuff. But when I got to my 20s and I had a full-time job as a hairdresser, and I'm talking to all age groups, and I'm trying to keep this relationship going from when I was 16, like I was a baby when I got together with Luke, literally just turned 16 when I met him, the love of my life. Who I'm now married with kids with, so imagine how many evolutions we've been through considering I'm nearly 40. And um, it was all too much. The pressure to get married, so going back to the culture, going back to the pressure of society, we've been together for seven years. Fuck, we better get married. So the pressure to get married, the pressure to keep this face on when I'm working as a hairdresser, and I love my clients, but I've got clients ranging from three years old to like 95. Like there is, wow, like talk about, shifting gears all the time like it was so powerful but energetically intense so I would go home and I'd drink a bottle of wine and um it became two bottles of wine and then I'd start I'd be smoking weed as well and you know and then I remember my mum must have said something to uh, my bosses who I was really close to and they they said hey your mum's worried about your drinking and I'm like really that's interesting like <laughs> she doesn't say anything to me um, so there was these little clues along the way, but I wasn't hurting anybody. I was just being a typical teenager. I was just being in my early 20s. I was doing what everybody else was doing. Actually, I probably wasn't going out as much as them because I was drinking by myself, which I never thought to be a problem because I've always liked to drink by myself. <laughs> um, and but then it's time to have kids, right? So a whole lot of, you know, in-between stuff. Basically drank throughout my whole 20s. And then... I wanted to have a child, but I knew that I couldn't go without alcohol for more than three days because I would just start craving it. Even talking to you now about it, my mouth is watering. Like, oh, what I would do for a glass of sav right now, right? So I wasn't going to drink when I was pregnant. I wasn't going to smoke while I was pregnant because I've always been a smoker as well, while I was, especially while I was drinking. And hairdresser mentality, not mentality, um, like just the way oh, society with hairdressers, all hairdressers used to smoke. Like, honestly, <laughs> if you didn't smoke, you kind of seemed a bit odd. So I was a big smoker. And um, 
the minute I found out I was pregnant, because when I was trying, I'd have like one glass of wine and one cigarette. But when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, well, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking. And that was enough to stop me because my conscience, if I was drinking and smoking, I just wouldn't be able to deal with it because I'm just, I'm a little bit of a goody good. I was the girl who would tell my mum and dad what I'd done wrong. And they would be like, please stop telling on yourself until I got to 15. And then I was like, full blown, fuck you all. I'm just going to go start sneaking out and become an alcoholic. So um, really interesting because of course I stayed sober during that and uh, during breastfeeding, all the things. But um, started drinking a little bit again, and it was just a couple of wines here or there, just a couple of cigarettes here or there. It was kind of like fun and sneaky, and all of a sudden, I'm in this mum mode of five o'clock, wine time, let's have a couple of glasses every night, because society tells me that this is normal. The world around me, everyone's having a wine. We're sending photos to each other of us drinking wine going, cheers, five o'clock, you know, or it's five o'clock somewhere having a lunchtime wine or whatever. Um, Everyone was like, this is normal. And I was like, why do I still have this sinking feeling? Why do I have this sinking feeling that I shouldn't be drinking? So I kept trying to give up. So I would do a three-month stint last five weeks um, or a week stint and then couldn't wait until the day I could drink and be like, I did it. And I still got that sinking feeling like you are addicted to alcohol, Victoria. You can't go without the wine. Um, I had another baby. So I went sober for that, obviously. And the same thing, I started drinking again. I couldn't wait, you know, because I, I knew there was no ending to it. Everyone kept saying, you don't have a problem. You don't need to stop it completely. And I wasn't ready to stop it. You know, I was, I was good at not smoking because I didn't want that around my kids, to be honest, but I would smoke sneakily when I had a drink. So was I addicted to the alcohol or the nicotine, you know, whatever, chicken or egg, <laughs> what comes first? So it was honestly like I've been at this psychic medium and this empowerment coach, a spiritual empowerment coach for like a long time now. And I was still drinking and I was still smoking, but it, it was, you know, I could still drive. It was like two wines, like big deal. I don't have a problem, right? I'm only having two drinks. Everybody else is having three or four or five or six and going out and not me. I'm sticking to my two. The truth is my body would start extremely playing up. I would start being hungover after two wines. I would start having irritable bowel syndrome. I would start having like really painful periods. I would start getting dermatitis, heartburn, you name it. And I was like, after one wine, are you kidding me? My body was screaming at me. And here I am now in tune with my body. And I kept saying to my husband, I need to give up alcohol. I kept saying to my sister, sisters, I need to give up alcohol. And everyone was like, okay, we'll give it up. But the only person it was such a big deal to was me. My husband was super supportive. He actually gave up drinking like a whole year before me, just so he could support me. He goes, if you're not, not going to drink, I'm going to completely stop. And I don't want to have alcohol in my life either. So I'm just not going to drink to support you. And I was like, okay. And I kept drinking. <laughs> I know this might sound crazy and I, I don't know if anyone's still listening here and I don't even know if this is going to be a viable podcast because to me it's kind of a boring story, but it's so simple 
but it's so powerful. When you are addicted to something and everything tells you not to be doing that thing, like not to be eating that sugar or not to be going out and having sex with all of those people because you feel like shit afterwards or, you know, not to be going and smoking that pee from that pipe, or maybe you're just smoking a bit too much weed. Maybe you've got a reliance on it, you know, then maybe you need to listen to that. But be gentle with yourself. One of my clients, she's a hypnotherapist, and she said, when you're leaving a narcissistic relationship, you've got to like, not necessarily just go, I'm packing my bags and going. Maybe you're not ready yet. Maybe you've got to build up your strength. Maybe you've got to go, okay, I'm choosing me today. How is this going to work? Maybe it's about making a plan, right? So for me, I did a couple of uh, nine month stints when I was pregnant or more like a year and a half stints. So I did that and I was down to drinking probably once a week. That would creep up. That would creep up to four times a week. Um, and then having a few days off, but other people do that and they're okay with that. But why wasn't I, why did I have so much guilt? I felt like throwing up. Why, 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 why? And that's because I'm not meant to be drinking. I used alcohol to, for my social anxiety. I used alcohol to make me brave. I used alcohol to celebrate my successes from business success to, every other type of success. I used alcohol to dull my senses so I could stop thinking and stop working and try to shut my brain down. Like marijuana, although I have smoked a lot of that in my life, that's never been, that was kind of like just the people I was hanging out with. It never really did anything for me, apart from make me more anxious, to be completely honest. It doesn't chill me out. It actually makes my world smaller and I feel like absolutely out of control. But Definitely alcohol has been like a best friend when nobody else was around. And I don't want to kill my best friend. I don't want to stop being friends with my best friend. It hurts. It really fucking hurts. And what if alcohol being my best friend, what if I give up that? And then what if the rest of my life crumbles around me? What about the people that you drink with? You know, all my friends, my best friends would get together and would be having a girl's night and would be drinking. You know, I'd be going to the pub and getting smashed. You know, what do we do? We drink. We have shots. I love alcohol. Let's get five bottles of wine. You know, let's see how we feel. Let's party. I didn't need drugs. I had alcohol. It was my poison. And I've watched people in my family drink and destroy destroy relationships, destroy family. It is the most dangerous poison that I have ever come across personally myself. But everyone has their own poison, right? And this may not even resonate with anybody. And I've got no problem with anyone drinking alcohol at all. Like people can have a drink around me and my body just goes, no, go and get yourself a beautiful kombucha, make yourself a cacao. And I feel really teary when I'm speaking about this, because when I think about when I gave up alcohol for good, right, it took me, I reckon it took me 20 years. I knew I had an alcohol problem for 20 years and it's only taken me 
to 2023 and I've had a lot of stints of off alcohol and on alcohol and I have not drunk. I've, I have been honestly drunk once in 10 years. Like <laughs> I've, I've have not what most people would say, abuse it. But the abuse has been not listening to my body and the bypassing of feelings and the celebrating by trying to turn myself up and the trying to turn myself down at the same time, like using it as a clutch, a cut clutch. Yeah, that's the word. Instead of actually just like, I can leave it, take it or leave it. I could not leave it. And if I took one glass, I needed another glass. You'd never see me having one glass of wine. I'd rather have none or three glasses, right? Two or three glasses. That was my limit. Um, otherwise I'd get extremely hungover. But then I started like not noticing anything. I was like, I'm not drunk, but I still get hungover. This is weird. So at the start of 2023, the feeling, the pain got so excruciating within my body. It was an emotional pain. The emotional pain, I had a lot of stuff happen in my family unit, um, not with my children and my husband, but with my siblings. Um, and so my my close family, a lot of stuff happened with alcohol and it literally is the only thing that I have ever noticed that has teared people apart. And that broke my heart. And here I am still drinking the poison. Here I am still making excuses that one, two, or three, or just drinking in the summertime or drinking the champagne to celebrate, like you name it. I've got every excuse under the sun and everyone goes, yeah, of course, Victoria, it's fine because they aren't in my body feeling that I'm fucking addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted. My granddad was addicted. And when he was at the, he was, he lived in a city and when he was at the lights, um, he was at a red light and it stayed red for way too long. And he, it was five o'clock and he wanted to get home for his beer. He stood there and he just lost his shit. He got out of his car and he was so angry that the red light wasn't changing. He like lost his shit at the red light. I don't even know the exact story. He, he's, he's passed away now. So I can't actually affirm, like reaffirm the story. But I remember him telling me that he just lost it and he knew he had a problem. When he, his first granddaughter came along, which was me, he, he, he made that decision as well to give up alcohol. I never saw my granddad drunk, but his children would have seen him drunk. And he used to go into his garage and do his thing. He was a very creative man, did grandfather clocks. Amazing man, amazing man. But he drank and he suppressed. He suppressed a lot. And he decided to give up. And I think it was one of the hardest things he ever did. He would have a packet of chips in his LMP, which is a drink we have here in New Zealand, like a lemon drink. And he would have that every night after work. Worked his ass off in a in a factory, you know, most of his life. And um, unfortunately that alcoholic gene, it, it went through my family and um, it came to me. And I want to clean it up now. So my children know what is actually energetically correct and how to utilize a substance. Now, I believe all drugs and all things, food and sex and <laughs> Netflix and um, alcohol, they all have their place. But some people are just not meant to have them. 
some people it's not healthy. I use all sorts of things to enhance my spiritual experience and not to get high and not to get wasted. And, you know, that's fine if that's your jam. And if you wake up and you feel fine about it, I watch Grey's Anatomy and they're always drinking. And I was like, I'm, I'm watching it from the season one through, I'm just watching season one at the moment. Um, and I'm like, they do a lot of drinking, like a bucket load of drinking. And then they go to work the next day and it's very normal. Like they make it seem quite normal. And I was like, I was watching this in my early twenties and it doesn't seem to be a problem. No wonder I was sitting there drinking three glasses of wine while I was and smoking weed while I was watching Grey's Anatomy. Right. And I do love that program, but wow. Um, so as you can see, there's some ancestral alcoholism in my family. Um, my granddad, he actually ended up being, um, one of like a member of the AA, the Alcoholics Anonymous, and he would get phone calls. I remember staying there in the school holidays and he'd get phone calls and he'd be helping people out. At his funeral, he was very kind of quiet all about that stuff, but he would go to his AA every single week and he would support people. So he did that for a very long time. And when he passed away a few years ago, there was people from the AA and they were talking about him and how many lives he had touched. How many people and families he had helped. And when I think about me and my sobriety, and, you know, it's the first time I've really talked about it. It's only honestly been this year since I can own that I will no longer drink alcohol as much as I want it every now and then, especially if I want to really celebrate or commiserate if something shit's happened. <laughs> I'm like, ah, where's the wine? Or maybe it's summertime and I get that taste in my mouth for, could so do with a beer right now, could so do with a champagne right now. Like alcohol was my life. It was my life. I've been that person at the, the weddings that everyone laughs at because I'm the smashed one. I've been the person who opens her mouth and say the shit she shouldn't say. I've been the person who just dances all night long. And the truth is I'm really, really shy. And alcohol was my bravery. But I decided <laughs> this year I had a sip of alcohol and I said, I feel like shit when I drink this. And I said to my sister, I can't do this any longer. And I need to tell you. And I told my best friend and I told Luke, I said, I know this is a story that I've been repeating for years and years and years, but I'm a non-drinker. I can't do this. Give me a static dance and a cacao any day. And I will dance all day and all night, but I can only do that if I'm energetically in a correct space. Otherwise I'd need three bowls of wine to do it, you know? And I just decided I don't seem to have an alcohol problem to the world. I'm a really responsible parent. Um, I don't drink and drive. I've got a job. I've got a business, a very successful one. I've got a great relationship. I, I really don't seem to have an alcohol problem, but I do. I'm a fucking alcoholic. Because I can't go a week without thinking about a drink. I couldn't go three days without going and buying a bottle. And I am a disciplined person. 
So I could pretend by having these three month kind of sabbaticals off alcohol or like I did it for six months. Yeah, now it's summertime, so I'm allowed to drink. But the cravings and the desire to drink alcohol overrides everything, just like it was when I was addicted to cigarettes, just like it was when I was addicted to smoking marijuana. And I mean, I remember begging Luke, ringing Luke at work, can you please go make sure you get me some marijuana tonight? I'm talking about when I was 19, 20, 21. The world had so much pressure on me and the only way I could cope was by self-medicating. And that's what I did. So I know it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but we need to be really, really honest. If we like, yeah, I'm going to go watch some Grey's Anatomy tonight. Yeah, I'm going to eat my food. <laughs> like, yeah, I can have little addictions. You can have a little chocolate addiction. But like if you're eating five blocks a day, it's not going to be healthy on your organs, right? If you are drinking a bottle of wine a day, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you have a couple of beers and maybe you're like, seriously, I could give it up tomorrow and I wouldn't even miss it. I just do it because it's pure joy for me. That wasn't the case for me. For me, it was like, I would do anything if I hadn't had enough alcohol and I needed more, especially before children. But just because I pretended that after um, I had children, like I wasn't drinking, like that's a true story, but I pretended that I didn't have an alcohol problem. I still did. I was just covering it up, right? So although I wasn't drinking, I was still craving it. And it wasn't until 2023, at the start of this year, New Year's Eve, I went to a cacao aesthetic dance, which rocked my world. Me and my sister went. We were like, this is the best way to spend New Year's Eve. We went for a swim in a really freezing river. It was like a baptism. It was so beautiful. And I said, I don't need alcohol because drinking a cacao and dancing with strangers who just don't give a flying fuck like this is next level overlooking the beautiful Coromandel in New Zealand. Like we were looking at the ocean and it was ecstatic dance and we were just, could be all of who we were, right? That brings to my eyes. That is true, true expression of self. The alcohol was a false expression of self. And when people say to me, you know, alcohol brings out your true self, like, you know, I'm like, it, it drops all the inhibitions. Yeah, it does. But I've done things, drinking alcohol, that I literally cringe at. If I look back to everything that I've ever regret in my life has been when I was drinking alcohol. I have lost my shit at people because they were treating their partner badly. So I went below my thinking mind and literally lost my shit. And that was within the last 10 years. That was about five years ago. And as a coach and a spiritual guide, I could not believe that I'd done that. I could not believe that I spoke like that. I could not believe that I let other people that were vibing way low, I couldn't believe that I joined them and in that drama because that's not me. That wasn't the real me. That was like the shadow me, 
the non-thinking me after like way too much alcohol. And that made me feel sick for three to four months, right? So why am I sharing this all with you all? Because I want us to actually realize that you don't have to be like the Frank of Shameless. <laughs> you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be hitting your spouse or abusing your family or self-harming to have a problem. You could be living an everyday life and having a problem. And although I haven't been an active alcoholic for a very long time, a good 10 years, I would say, I have had an alcohol problem. And although I think one of my sisters said yes, she agreed with me, and the other sisters told me I was just being like a, a normal person. And I said, yeah, but it's a feeling I have inside. When I have a drink, it is this gut-wrenching, sinking feeling. And I drink that away until I feel good. And I make I was making excuses, excuses of, it's okay to have a few drinks in the summertime, babe. You know, I'll just get the pals because it's not the wine. So it will be better for my dermatitis. So I'll just have, it's basically soda water and a little bit of vodka. So that'll be my drink. Or maybe I could just drink tequila. And like, I tried everything to convince myself that I was a normal human being and that I could just drink normally like a normal person, but I'm not. And calling myself an alcoholic, that was really interesting because it gave me emotions. But it also makes me feel like a bit of a fraud. Like, how can I say I'm an alcoholic when there's actual alcoholics out there, right? So if you've got a problem with something and you know that you've got this dependency on it, you're codependent on a substance, it's really good to talk to someone that you're really close to or talk to a coach about it. Because the interesting thing is I have coached so many people with substance abuse because in New Zealand, it's just kind of this common normal thing. <laughs> it's a normal thing to do this stuff. And some people don't, like, they don't care. They have their beers every night and sweet as like life is just rosy. But um, I've helped so many people with alcohol problems when they have had sessions with me um, or drug addiction. And after the, the conversation, they've left and they've gone and they've given up alcohol or drugs or whatever, or they've made a plan. I've got them thinking. And then a few months later, they've given it up. So I don't believe that we just need to go cold turkey and just, I mean, it depends on the circumstances, to be completely honest with you, because every circumstance is different. But for me, I actually had to grow. It took me 10 years, 10 years for me to say, I can't touch that anymore. I can't. And what is one thing that alcohol gave me? And honestly, I don't think it gave me anything. On my wedding day, I had already drunk at least a bottle when I was walking down the aisle. Great wedding day. But imagine the feelings that I could have had. Like my my way, my wedding day was a piss up. In New Zealand, we call it a big piss up. It was like a shindig. I made sure there was like 80 bottles of alcohol and there was literally like maybe there was 90 bottles there was like 70 people and most of those people like half of them didn't drink so like I wanted to make sure every single person had two bottles of wine each that's how I quoted it 
So I had a lot of alcohol left over um, and I drank it. Yep. I drank a lot of it. And um, the first time Luke and I were going to get married, we were going to get married in our early twenties. And this is when I was a big drinker too. I bought a lot of alcohol, same deal. I think we're going to have 50 people. So I got like a hundred bottles or something ridiculous. And then we called off the wedding and I drank all that alcohol with my mum, of course. And Luke would have a glass here and there. Um, and every night. So that's when it really kicked in is because we were, had all this booze and I wanted it gone. So I was drinking it all. So yeah, I don't know. How does this feel for you? Maybe this is just reaffirmed to you that you don't have an alcohol problem. Maybe it's made you think, Hmm, what else could, what am I addicted to? What are those things I'm codependent on? Um, what are my clutches? Like, what am I holding on to? Because Oh my God, I used to use it like my armor and people would see this drunk Victoria and my friends would be like, yay, fun Victoria. Cause I was the dancer, the entertainer, the woohoo, let's go. And I have noticed that a lot of my friendships have changed over the last 10 years. Obviously I had children and all that type of stuff, but I don't drink and I won't drink. And I'm content not drinking. And I want my children to understand that what is healthy and what is not healthy. And um, I certainly didn't have that guidance when I was um, 17. I moved out of home. So my mum was pregnant with her fifth child. And I've got great parents, but I, I moved away from them. I was a big girl, right? <clears throat> so... Yeah, it feels so good saying all of that. So my journey has been a long one, but it <laughs> it's just begun because it's only been six months of this actual deep commitment that I won't drink. So usually I would know, I'd get to about this mark, six months, where I'm like, I'm going on a big sabbatical <laughs> with no drinking. And then I would be like, hey, babe. And I'd say to Luke, I'm just going to go get a bottle of um champagne because we just had a 10k day yay let's celebrate a couple of glasses of champagne is going to be great or a bottle of whatever my favorite wine is and then I'll go give my mum the rest of the wine I'd be like just one oh okay I'll go give my mum the rest of the wine because she's yeah one of one of the only drinkers there's only actually I think two people out of our family of seven that actually drink now my dad gave up, which was really great because the gene came from his side. Um, my mum drinks and um, my sister has the occasional drink um, and she definitely does not have any type of alcohol problem. She can just leave it or take it. But for me, I couldn't. It was a quite a big deal. If, to leave it or take it was literally <gasps> a big deal. Um, alcohol hurt me and it hurt my family. It hurt my body. And it was also, it was like an abusive relationship. It was my friend. Um, it was the one thing that didn't leave me. It was the one thing that I could rely on to make me feel a certain way. Um, and life is tough. Emotions are hard. And uh, depending where you are in the world, sometimes in the people around you, sometimes we're taught how to suppress them. And I was always told that I was overly sensitive to emotionally sensitive 
So I needed to be a tough girl in a tough world. So alcohol gave me that, that, that Dutch courage. And, um, I wouldn't leave the house to go to any type of work do or party or anything, even like best friends, 30ths or 21st, I wouldn't leave my house unless I drank like two bottles of wine. And then I'd go to a party and drink another bottle. So, um, and they say that I was normal. So I don't know. As a nearly 40-year-old woman, I'm 40 this year. I'll be sober for my 40th. I can honestly say, like, it's it's a journey. Like, and I'm feeling really emotional. You can probably hear that in my voice. Um, to say goodbye to alcohol was the hardest thing I've ever fucking done. It was easy to give it a rest and have a holiday when I was pregnant because I had something bigger to think about. But I thought we were going to live together, die together, like have drinks at the RSA with my best friend and eat beautiful food and like cheeses and drink wine and like swing on a hammock. Like I literally was like, this is what I want to do when I get older. I want to work my ass off, retire and then drink wine for the rest of my life. <laughs> and when I think about that, now I have to recreate how I'm going to live my life because when you decide to live consciously, it means that you can't just turn off. You can't just switch off by using a drug or um, a substance. Um, we do that a little bit with, you know, I, I like to watch Grey's Anatomy and like to get lost in other people's lives and stuff like that. Um, that's a bit of a switching off the brain. But yeah, it's really, really interesting. And when my client Amy said to me, you know, your sobriety is really um, powerful, inspires me. I know that my client has given up a lot of things as well in her time. And, you know, maybe you are on this journey of sobriety, or maybe you are, maybe you've just got some food for thought about what your addictions are. And maybe I haven't admitted this for 10 years because I didn't want to admit I was an alcoholic. And I'm looking at a picture of my granddad right now holding my, um, my baby girl. And I didn't give up for my daughter. And I'm sure my granddad didn't give up for me because I was born. We gave up both me and my granddad gave up because there was this gut feeling that what we were doing was actually energetically wrong. What we were doing wasn't right for us. And when I was getting kidney stones at 22 and aching livers or aching aching kidneys, and I'm pretty sure my liver ached and all these different things. And when I'm craving alcohol and all that type of stuff and counting down the hours until I can have a drink, yeah, definitely an addiction. So what has been your journey? And what have you received from this today? And although I feel like this potentially could be a boring podcast for many listeners, um, I haven't gone into the crazy stuff that I've done, you know, uh, the, the freak show stuff that I've done on alcohol. I could tell you about the time that I went to, I was trying to steal you know, the raspberry drink from behind the bar and then fell over and smacked my head and oh, like just before I got married or how all I used to do was drink all day in the weekends. And I could tell you about the time that I woke up, you know, 
um, completely naked and had these memories of bouncing on my little like my mini trampoline in front of the mirror laughing my ass off because I was so high <laughs> this so that's like that's just kind of like you know real little stuff there but I've done some pretty crazy stuff that I don't really want to dive back into but if I was to dive back into it and remember it the feelings that come up are like why did you drink it's like why would you do that that makes absolutely nice no sense. Why don't you just stay home and watch a movie? <laughs> and we all grow up and we have to go through things and we have to experience things. And I'm just really grateful that my alcoholism didn't outrightly hurt anybody. Like we were a family and we got together and we drunk. You know, I would go to my parents every other weekend and we lived in a party town. So Luke and his friends would come over and would have the afternoon drinks, you know, um, and then drink and go to the pub later. And um, it all seemed very PC and it all seemed very nice and it all seemed very normal. But out of those five children, you know, I was the one who, honestly, if I kept drinking, I I don't know what would have happened because now I have my own business that I can work whenever I want. So, you know, I can work whenever I want. So if I didn't have a full-time job with bosses that I was accountable for, you know, then who knows what I would have done. Um, so I would love to hear from you whether this is something that resonated. I'd like to shout out my beautiful friend, Amy, for telling me that um, the sobriety journey and conversation um, really really served her. And I also want to do a really big shout out to my clients that have been on their, their journeys of sobriety. Um, some of them joined me after some of them um, worked through this with me in sessions and then uh, made that decision to give up. Um, I'm just so proud of everyone who takes accountability for themselves and their own actions. And um, every time I think about having a drink and thinking I'm just being dramatic like all those dozens of times every other time that I wanted to give up I think about the pain of what actually happened in my family and how my family got ripped to shreds because of alcohol um, and I think about the embarrassment of having to stop a family member from getting arrested, begging policemen while I was eight months pregnant to not arrest one of my family members. I think about that and I think about how um, the family was torn apart and some members still don't talk to each other. I think about that and I think about the stupid shit that I did that wasn't cool. Actually, a lot of the stuff I did changed my life for good because like I fucked up so much you know and most people wouldn't see that but it, it changed the way I was thinking about myself it made me feel insecure about who I was it made me question who I was when the truth was I've always been a really great person with a great personality who loves deep conversations um, but because I was so different on alcohol, I thought, and because I suffer a little bit of social anxiety, 
because I'm so energetically sensitive and I'm an empath, I just thought that alcohol was the best. And it was like my alter ego was able to step in and I felt amazing on it. But shit goes down real quick when you are putting on a face that's actually not yours. And I reaffirm, I do not think that alcohol just drops your barriers and helps you to be honest and truthful. Yeah, maybe like one wine um, or one drink. But in my case, it brought out stuff that um, parts of me, the shadows of me that I need to work with in private, not be like spewing out everywhere in front of everyone, right? So it's really interesting. Um, And you are who you hang out with. So that's always a really interesting concept as well. So again, I just want to reiterate, this is my story of my drinking and yours might have something to do with something else, a different a different substance, but it takes a while. It takes a while to be really honest with how you feel. And all those people that told me I didn't have a problem and told me that you should never give up anything um, were correct. But at the same time, I've deeply, deeply sat in the energy and talked to my husband about it and my sister and my best friend. And I said, I can't drink because I'm an alcoholic. And whether I label myself, no one thinks I'm an alcoholic, right? (laughs) I was like, whatever, you're just normal. You've always been normal. But I know that I was addicted. I know that if my daughter was doing the shit that I was doing, and relying on alcohol, and if I knew, if, if I was a fly on the wall, and I was watching myself, or watching my daughter, I would be like, yo, no, this is not healthy behavior, you need to grow, and I know the world is scary, I know that you feel in over your head, and you're barely, you're barely breathing in this world, it's so fucking hard, I know you feel like you're drowning half of the time, but you're gonna be okay, just keep swimming, Keep swimming and keep thriving and know that it's going to get easier and easier and easier, but do not bypass your feelings. Do not try to put your consciousness to sleep just because it's easier. Face your motherfucking fears and don't use substance to swallow that because life is scary. And knowing that alcohol isn't next to me scares the shit out of me, but also It's actually given me freedom because now I know that I have all the tools to face anything head first, head on, right? I can face anything head on and know that I can deal with it because there's nowhere to hide. The only way to go in this world is forward, especially if you're choosing consciousness. Now, if you... There's a few. There's quite a lot of different um, components to this. So, you know, we aren't here to be perfect. We're here to experience and experiment. So, when people come to me, a lot of my clients might say, "I smoke a lot of weed," and I go, "Do you have a problem?" And they're like, "No," you know, or, or "Yes." I'm like, "Okay, you just need to sit with yourself and see how you feel because if it's overtaking your life, and I've seen a lot of drug addicts in my time, a lot of friends, a lot of clients. Um, you need to ask the questions, is this benefiting me? Is this financially fucking me? Is this like, am I reliant on this? Am I just, or am I self-medicating and it's kind of healthy? Like, um, 
it's really interesting how marijuana can literally self-medicate some people. Um, they have the medical mar- marijuana that you can actually get from the doctors, you know, you can actually get it from the doctors and in some places it's legal, obviously. Um, but there's that and then there's addiction. There's actually a difference between the two. And I'm never going to be the person who just sits in the spa and has one wine with a friend. I'm always thinking about the next one. And I could pretend for as long as I want that I only want the two and I'm good, but I'm not because I just can't have it. It is the opposite. I went to a naturopath and on the top of my hair list, because I got my hair tested and there was gluten and all that type of stuff. The number one thing that I was allergic to, intolerant to was alcohol. I'm not even meant to have hand sanitizer. I'm not even meant to have perfumes. I'm not even meant to have like any drops, like any kind of elixirs that have alcohol in them. And here I was chugging alcohol back. So I thought if I'm good enough to, if it's good enough for me to give up gluten, I should be giving up alcohol because I'm intolerant to it. Um, But it's amazing what addiction, addiction can do. So Yay, six months completely sober. Um, and yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts. This has been a really good outlet in talking about this. Um, a lot of people think that it's quite dramatic to think you're an alcoholic when you seemingly look normal. Um, but I would love to know um, your feelings on this for yourself and what resonated with you with this podcast. And stay tuned because we've got some human design podcasts coming up really, really soon. Human design and parenting is going to be coming up. And the other thing that's super exciting is that I have got a mastermind called Spiritual Magnificence Mastermind. It was a membership, but we just kept adding, 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 and it's become so amazingly, generously big. Uh, with a library, like a Kajabi library with weekly calls, um, with cacao ceremonies and breathwork sessions and all of these amazing things. I've basically created the mastermind that I would want for myself and it's only $33 USD a week. So I have had masterminds where I've paid $250 a week to be in there. Um, (laughs) and this is literally, uh, only $33 USD at the moment. Um, It will be going up at some stage, but you can check out all of my offerings and I've got a lot of free stuff as well. Um, A lot of gifts on uh, um, Awaken Victoria Bond. Um, You can check out the show notes and find out all of that stuff, stuff for yourself. I better go. I am chunking out. It's been such a big conversation, sending you so much love. And if there's anything, any topics that you would like me to talk about, please feel free to give me an email, reach out, and we'll see what we can do. See you soon. Listening to today's episode. I trust that you got those golden nuggets that you required to shift your consciousness, to expand your awareness, and to turn up your capacity. I invite you to share this podcast with anyone that you feel would benefit from it. And also share the golden nuggets that you have learned with your friends, family, and of course, clients. 
You can contact me if there's anything that you want to specifically share with me and or if there's anything you want me to specifically share on the podcast. You can check out the show notes and find me on my socials and myself or my team will get back to you. My heart to yours. Have a beautiful day and I'll see you soon.